0: From powerlineblog.com and produced by ricochet.com, this is the Three Whiskey Happy Hour with your bartenders, Steve Hayward, and
1: Powerline's international woman of
0: mystery, Lucretia. Easy on the soul,
1: sometimes you gotta
0: give in and let that whiskey flow. When you Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to a special holiday edition of the Three Whiskey Happy Hour. Lucretia joins me as usual. Cheers, Lucretia. What are you drinking tonight?
2: Cheers, Steve. Uh, and and a very happy holiday season to you and Merry Christmas and all of that. I am drinking scotch. It is. Oh, of course. I know. It is a Macallan 18-year-old.
0: Oh, you're drinking the really expensive stuff.
2: Yeah, it was um, a gift. <laughs> People have I'm, learned. What do you give? What do you give, Lucretia? <laughs>
0: Might be able to, yeah, um, I won't tell people what the price is at my local store for that. Uh, I am having uh, a Buna haben only because I think the name is so great and I'd love to see it on the spelling bee because no one would ever get it. It's an probably Island saying mall, it wrong, but, you know, uh, probably. Uh, I just assumed I'm saying it wrong. Uh, I have a Lefroig here as a backup for whiskey number two. Uh, so just to cover all bases and to help us with the year end wrap up, we have a special guest today and it's Adam Mill. Now, Adam Mill turns out to be a pseudonym. So, this is now the all pseudonym podcast because Lucretia is Powerline's International Woman of Mystery. And Adam Mill, I'll say this, is our Midwestern uh, correspondent of mystery. And so, Adam, welcome. And
2: Steve is the pretentious intellectual.
0: <laughs> but that's not a pseudonym. That's the truth. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. well, we, I was trying to be nice.
0: Yeah, I know. I was going to ask you at the beginning on a scale of 1 to 10 how grumpy you are. So you're, I'm not you're... grumpy
2: at all, actually. I'm really, really happy to see Adam here. Welcome, Adam.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: So, Adam, I mean, I, I know how I might describe you, but I think I'm going to let you describe yourself lest I give away too much. So you appear on American Greatness and uh, a couple other sites, uh, but so, so tell us what you can about yourself.
1: Okay, so I... Um... I read an article, I don't know, about two or three years ago uh, in The Federalist, and I was like, man, I can write better than that. Like, <laughs> I was like, where are these guys finding their writers? So I sent in an article um, under a pseudonym about, uh, about private gun ownership and, and how it was it was well correlated with, uh, with public safety when you when you go around the world. Uh, to the Federalist, and they accepted it under, under the under the pen name. So I kind of got stuck with it. The Adam is for Adam Smith, and Mill is for John Stuart Mill. Uh, ah, so I guess I'm the pretentious one uh, for using that. And so I contributed to the Federalist for a while. Uh, I am an attorney; I'm a practicing attorney, and uh, but you know I don't let that rule who I am. And then I I started sending things into American Greatness, um, and American Greatness has just been fabulous. They just do such a great job taking care of your pieces, and uh, they do a really good job editing it. And uh, Julie Ponzi is just a a, a real uh, asset to the cause. So that's kind of me in a nutshell.
0: Yeah, no, I I knew Julie way back when she was a lowly graduate student uh, at uh, Claremont, and I've kept up with her over the years. And anyway, um,
2: so did you have Adam Mill as your pseudonym before or before you started writing for American Greatness, or you you? Yeah, actually, I,
1: I, I mean, this is going back almost ten years ago, but I started this very abortive. Uh, uh, it was one of these blogspot uh, posts, ah. and I started posting a few things on there, and I I had tens of fans. <laughs>
2: So, you know, did <laughs> you bring those tons a, of fans over here so we could ha- add to our 14 and a half?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the, it, there's something fitting about having Adam Mill from Adam Smith and John Stuart Mill and Lucretia from, of course, the ancient Roman figure, right? So we have an ancient and a modern represented in our pseudonymous lineup, which is pretty good. Yeah, uh.
2: the only problem with that, really quickly, Steve, is I forgot all about the Lucretia feminist woman person thing. <laughs> uh, but that's not who i'm uh channeling i'm channeling the great roman matron yeah i, mean, I thought feminists seen... were on our
1: side now didn't they didn't they switch teams because of uh, the uh, lgbt movement
2: uh, well, some of them and, have and yes it, lucretia wasn't one of the worst that's for sure she okay. was actually in favor of uh, i'm not in favor of the 19th amendment personally because <laughs> yeah, there are lots of reasons for that but any woman as i like to say w- worth her salt Can get her husband to vote the way that he needs to and otherwise they probably don't need to be voting (laughs) sorry i was just really joking maybe
0: are you sure you're not up at the upper end of your cranky range all right uh well adam Every year, steve let's uh let's draw into our serious subject with a few pop culture questions you have today i understand been out to see the brand new spider-man movie what is a spider-man 49 i can't keep up with them all but uh, what's your, what's your verdict on it? Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down, uh, four stars, however you rank a movie.
1: Well, honestly, um, I, you know, I'm old enough to remember when I used to, uh, use paper route money to buy my Spider-Man comic books back when I, oh. when I grew up in Fort Collins, Colorado, and they were expensive back then. I mean, they were like, you know, basically three bucks a pop, um, uh, for a comic book back when that was, you know, that might've been like half of a paycheck for as, as a, paper boy, yeah. um, yeah. I guess I'm dating myself a little bit, but uh, you know, this is back in the eighties or so. So, I mean, when Spider-Man started coming out in these feature length movies in, in the late nineties, early two thousands, it was just, I was a kid in the candy store. I was so excited about it because Spider-Man to me is like the true American hero. He is, he's the underdog. He's a humble. Um, he has a lot of power, but he has a great sense of obligation and he really does try to be both, you know, temper his uh, uh, power with kind of a gentlemanly mercy and, and care. This movie, I think, was was a worthy successor in in that tradition. Um, and one of the, is one of the things- Is he transgender? Think, pardon?
2: Is he transgender?
1: No, no. In fact, um, I, one of the things I think that really this movie does so well is it has a very nice deaf touch to kind of a multicultural feel. I mean, it's set in New York. They have lots of characters of all different different races. And so my son and I talk about Spider-Man diversity, like, you know, there are people there, but they don't make this big, long speech about, um, oh, well, my grandmother's from this country or that, you don't like, they don't discuss the, the, the race of any of the people. They're all just people working together on the, on the, in the Spider-Man movie. And it's very non-obtrusive. And it's, uh, uh, it's really, I think it's, it's just a really good American movie.
0: Now, uh since you uh say you were a Spider-Man comic book person, are you are you one of these people who comes down firmly on the side of Marvel against DC? I know this is a big battle in the comic book world that I don't understand. Or are you ecumenical?
1: Uh no, no. DC is terrible. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, you've got a few gems in DC, uh but for the most part, um they've got a lot of garbage and they've they've made a mess out of all of their movies. Uh, Marvel really is the, the the leader in the art form. It'd be like saying, you know, what do I think of uh, you know Latvian chess versus Russian t- chess? I mean, it's just Marvel is just so much bigger and more important than, than DC. <laughs> DC is not even like you can't, they're not even a peer to Marvel.
0: Yeah, well, I, you know, I've been to see a few of them. I'm amazed how many of them. Well, they're big cash cows, of course, and they plan these things years ahead of time. I've come to the view that uh, that the Marvel superhero movies are the Chinese food of action movies. You watch them, they're great, and half an hour after you've left the, left the theater, you don't remember much about them. Uh, I do remember one thing, though, about the, the last two Avengers, you know, the part A and part B, I forget the titles now, Endgame or whatever, is that the bad guy, Thanos, the Greek word for death, right, the rule of death, thanatocracy, uh, his speeches about why he has to eliminate half of the population of the universe is pure Malthusian leftism.
1: Yes. Words, yes, I actually did an article right? on this.
0: Oh, did you? Good yes, I you. did, and
1: I talked about the fact that um, that he thought it was absolutely necessary to wipe out half the universe, but he miraculously survived that. Uh, <laughs> so he did not apply this, uh, you know, this genocide rule to himself, even though nothing he's... like
2: our current leftists or climate change activists right, right. So was... yeah. their jets. So I did a
1: whole article on how how right. leftists are. You know, you must sacrifice so that we can be successful. Not we must sacrifice so that we can be successful. And of course, the sacrifice is completely in vain and it's all it's all bunk. Again, it was kind of a coercive right wing message in that in the uh, uh, the movie, just as you pointed out.
0: Well, it's a funny thing that when Hollywood needs a bad guy, they often pick some, you know, environmental or, or some somebody like that because they make good villains. Why? Because those people in real life really do want to make your life miserable. I, so I
2: don't think there's self-consciousness about that, though, Steve. I really no, I, I don't either.
0: It's, it's a dramatic element that comes more naturally than I think. I don't know. Well, they, um, they've tried
1: it both ways. It's just that the tickets get sold for the for the leftist villains. Yeah. People, people like that better. They know what sells. Yeah.
0: Well, there is, uh, every once in a while, I'll check in on to make sure it still exists. This group based in Oregon, they have a website. It's the Voluntary Human Extinction League. And Gosh. I always say, they're, they're, so Thanos is perfect for them. I always say their motto should be, you first, but it hasn't caught on. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on quickly then. Uh, to the, uh, well, uh, the next cultural question, since it's the holiday season, is, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? <laughs>
1: Boy, that's a good question. Um, Die Hard is definitely a movie that involves Christmas and is shown <laughs> around Christmas uh, several times. I, I It seems like we need somebody to take up the cause that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. So I will take up that cause if nobody else will. Oh, lots uh, of people do, actually. We watch yeah. it
2: every Christmas at my house. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah after I mean, the
2: Charlie Brown special, you know.
1: Look, uh, you they know, there is, there is a, you know, Christmas does play this role of, you know, trying to push back the darkness and, yeah. you know, defeating overwhelming odds of, of evil in the world. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he's not, <laughs> Bruce Willis is not Jesus. That's that's for sure. But uh, I think that there are some, some elements of, yeah, there's always hope. Where there's life, there's hope. And, <laughs> and if you keep pushing ahead, uh, you just might prevail.
0: That's a little bit equivocal, but we'll take it. Uh, Although, I'm I'm going to do this just to bait Lucretia. Uh, One of the most fervent advocates that Die Hard is emphatically a Christmas movie is Steve Hayes.
2: I know, and you know what I told you the last time you mentioned that that even a broken clock is right. (laughs) Okay.
0: Well, on the other hand, let's remember Jonathan Last from the the Late Lamented Weekly Standard, who wrote a terrific article some years ago on why the Empire are really the good guys in the Star Wars movies, which I think is actually a a fun thesis. What is
2: it about men that get so geeky about these stupid movies?
1: <laughs> well, If you want to get geeky, it, there's a there's a great parody called Twisted, which is a send up of the Aladdin uh, story told from the point of view of Jafar, and it is absolutely fascinating because when you look at when you look at Aladdin from the point of view of Jafar, really Aladdin is the bad guy. He breaks his deal with Jafar. He steals for a living. You know, he moves in on a on an underage uh, princess. And, and and romances her it's really it's hmm. called twisted and you can find it on youtube
0: yeah i've heard of it i've never
1: okay all right uh, is it a uh, cartoon uh, uh no it's uh it's a musical it's put on uh by uh, a theater troupe in minnesota i think
0: yeah okay yeah all right another question which is kind of cultural kind of scientific It has a cultural angle and that is, do you have an opinion of whether Pluto is a planet or not? And the reason I raise this question is I, I keep watching reruns of this documentary on TV called The Big Bang Theory. And I've learned that, that Neil deGrasse Tyson poser was responsible for downgrading Pluto from a planet. How, how do you downgrade Pluto from a planet? You know, it, you know, how could it be a planet then not a planet? I don't get this.
1: Yeah, I mean, if Europe is a <laughs> continent, then Pluto is a planet. It's that simple i mean yeah, pluto what is, is, what, is a dog. what is the definition of a continent what is the definition of a planet it's completely arbitrary and yeah. i think there's absolutely nothing wrong with with people just saying well we're calling pluto a planet because that's part of our our cultural heritage we've named it after one of the the roman gods and uh and you can't have a full a complete pantheon without uh um uh, you know pluto himself did not get demoted so why are we demoting his planet
0: yeah yeah all right uh all right, let's let's uh, let's get to some serious business, which is the main reason we have you here. There's a great article out uh, at American Greatness that we've linked in our show notes uh, about predictions for next year. I want to linger on this year on a couple of points. Um, one is I'll, I'm going to ask you in a minute what you think the big story or big two or three of this year are, if you want. Uh, but I want to start with huh, the, the day that will never go away for the left, which was January 6th, because it was after that I remember talking to you and you relayed in quite an animated and and uh, um, I won't say shocking fashion, but but um, revealing fashion, the deep alarm of certain government people you talk to quite beyond, uh, do you, I don't know, I sort of restate that for our listeners, if you would, because I was quite struck with it. And I mentioned to Lucretia several times, but now I'd like to hear it directly from you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know real high up people, but uh, I do know a few people in D.C. And it is absolutely my my perception that um, this this really this really shocked them, and it has caused them to overreact um, in a way that's that's not good for anybody, but not good for them as well. Um, yeah. and by you know fortifying Washington D.C. and surrounding it with concertina wire and a bunch of people who you know with scary guns and Humvees and just making it look like an occupied uh, city. That's that's just a bad look right after an election. And um, how about yesterday,
2: Adam, yesterday, bipartisan, unanimous vote to have the National Guard be a backup whenever the Capitol police call them in case of another such January 6th emergency. (laughs) Bipartisan, unanimous. What the hell? Yeah. Hmm. Republicans are scum. There are only people more scum than Republicans.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
2: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Ah, <sighs> oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. chumba That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
1: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: Republicans are Democrats, and that's barely a difference. <laughs> tell well, us what you are to
1: Once they cross that beltway, they're all on the same side. Yeah. I mean, this is, the, 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 you know, they're inside the palace, and uh, they're all members of the court, and uh, they all want to protect that privilege. And so whether they're red or blue, once once they're drinking that D.C. water, they're They're all the same team.
2: And I pushed, I shouldn't say pushback. When Steve mentioned that, that you had mentioned that the first time, way back when, probably the week or two after January 6th, I said that makes perfect sense to me that you have these uh, federal bureaucrats and members of Congress, whomever, the Washington, D.C. swamp people, who who were really unsettled by the events of January 6th, not because there was ever any danger to anybody, <laughs> uh, except for AOC, who nearly lost her life that day. But for the rest of them were relatively safe, crawled underneath their whatever. But the point is, is that I actually think that those people are so deluded and so impressed with their own sense of self-importance that they have no idea how much they are despised by average Americans. And Ah. they live in this bubble. And you know, they're the elite experts that the progressives promised us would bring us out of uh, corrupt politics and into a uh, utopia where the Politics is replaced by the administration of things. And, you know, this is all part of their mindset there. You know, th- just think about the the DMV worker who who can treat you like scum because she knows that she is really doing the good work of the republic, right? Well, and can't and I be think fired, that was but right.
0: Well that, well, that fits with my uh, a theory that's evolved out of all this, watching uh, the, the reaction and the subsequent events, uh, which is a little broader than yours, but it's the uh, that... So first of all, you might want to start with a double standard of the left, which is we have all these riots that burn down cities. It gets justified by liberals. No big deal. Everybody's insured, supposedly. Uh, And that's because it
2: was all that was just. And that makes sense because, you know, they were they were they were arguing against real corruption and real racism and discrimination. How could anybody (laughs) protest the good work being done by our federal government? Well, yeah, my, my
0: theory is a little different from that. It, uh, it, my theory is that the sort of the establishment in Washington doesn't really take Antifa seriously, or for that matter, uh, uh, I, I'm amazed that Time magazine named Angela Davis a year or two ago, one of the 100 most influential people in America, when she's a lunatic who wants to overthrow the Constitution and the government of the United States, right? Now, the, now if there was a serious magazine, they would never do that, but it's because they're not serious. Okay. What does January 6th represent to them? Oh my God, there may be a critical mass of the American people who really do hate us and are finally at the point they may take direct action, like dump. The, as we're taping, this is the 300th or what anniversary or 250th anniversary of dumping the tea in the harbor in Boston. It's the Boston Tea Party all over again. I think that's part of it. They were shaken out of their complacency that they could get away with their administrative uh, presumptions forever. And January 6th showed them maybe they can't. Will you? Yeah.
2: Sorry, yeah, I think,
1: well, that, that's that's the power of um, or that's I think that's the thing that they're most worried about is power is really uh, as much a bluff as it is anything. Yeah. And and if you if you aren't intimidating people, if you aren't like making people in awe, awe of your of your power and people show up and start calling you names and screaming at you, that can be very, very threatening. Uh, because, yeah. of course, Nancy Pelosi doesn't carry a gun. She depends on people who carry guns around her. And another problem with with uh, January sixth that I don't I don't know if you touched on, is that they had a, a very serious investigation into the Capitol Police, and they were very concerned that the mm-hmm. Capitol Police were colluding or tolerating uh, or even sympathetic to the protesters. Uh, and they've they've rooted around and done a number of investigations. And there are some people, including myself, who think that some of the officer suicides coincided with those investigations, um, and you know them basically being put to um interrogation over over what they did in uh january 6th there were four officers who killed themselves since since so january 6th. The,
2: the ones that they're actually blaming on trump protesters that uh they were so traumatized by the violence that that's why they right the and it's, it's
1: the narrative has really come completely unmoored i mean they're saying things like oh yeah 10 people died uh because of trump supporters um uh in january 6th and i'm not even sure how they're counting that number i think three like four died of natural causes that day which is a whole nother weird thing
2: um, I, I'm not sure that's even correct anymore. Adam, I think that that if I'm if I'm following Julie Kelly correctly, all of those were actually ended up being beat up by uh, different law enforcement. Right. And, and she,
1: she's pointed to some irregularities about the autopsies. And um, and she she's suggested that these people who supposedly died of natural causes were beaten to death. And I, I don't know, but I, that's what she's reporting. Um, hmm. And then I think t- one person was shot. Uh, Ashley Babbitt was shot. Four police officers killed themselves, and then I think like three or four Trump supporters died of, you know, natural causes, which is – you know, could be could be something else. Well,
0: so, some of the – sorry, sorry, go, go ahead, Well, all right. Some of the – I mean, first of all, there's the whole farce that Buffalo Man or whatever we call that guy with the horns and the fur on was going to topple the U.S. government. There's something – So obviously farcical about the left's reaction to this, hysterical reaction to this. Um, uh, But then the other one is- you um, guys,
2: two things, Steve. One, you guys remember, what, on January 20th, I got an email from the FBI to be prepared on my campus- for, you know, this incredible violence that was going to take place. Do yeah. you remember what happened on January 20th? Yeah, nothing. Nothing. Yeah, That's September 18th thing, was
1: another one of those days that was right. supposed yep. to erupt in violence. You know, I got yeah. a question for you, Steve. Um, what do you think that this whole January 6th committee, who is this for? The, the, the people who um, are on the committee are all Kool-Aid drinkers, even the supposedly Republicans huh. that are yeah. on the committee. Um I don't know who's watching these hearings. I'm not watching these hearings. I, you know, the Republicans are basically boycotted them. Uh, nobody on the right is taking them seriously. Who is this for?
0: Yeah, I think uh, I want to paraphrase Jesse Jackson: Keep dope alive. Uh, I, I think they they're desperate to keep alive the outrage uh, about January sixth. Um, I Well, let me do it this way. If Trump runs again in 2024, and right now you've got all these polls showing him winning easily if the election were held today because of the collapse of the Biden presidency. We may talk about that some in a minute if we want. And I can guarantee you that there are going to be um, uh, the ad campaign from the left and from the Democrats, but I repeat myself, is going to be all about remember January 6th. Do you want this to happen again? And they'll show, they'll doctor the footage or, you know, selectively edit it. And then they'll probably try and find something. You know, they'll say a, a congressional committee found this was a deep plot to overthrow the constitution. You know, it's it's uh it's that it's it's fan service for the left. Uh,
2: did you guys and- hear about Adam Schiff actually putting up text mess- the supposed text messages that were not only inaccurate but altered? Yeah, yeah The, right, the, the, right. the, the uh, screenshot was altered to make yeah. it did look like something like, like they were that the-
1: back in the Ukraine for us, too. Didn't he? Yes, and he did. He doctor something. Yeah. Yes,
0: yeah. Yeah, no, he's a shifty guy, or shifty guy. Okay, I can't make that joke land, but...
2: These people, I don't even get it.
0: No, they're pretty awful people, yeah. Uh, Mm. You mentioned, I mean, uh, uh, the possibility that harsh interrogations and threats of certain officers led to their suicides. I mean, this is starting to resemble, you know, Soviet-era purge
1: trials. Very much. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And so how does
2: Emmett Sullivan end up as the... uh, the presiding judge over the uh the, the trials against the january 6th protest oh i didn't How's know it?
1: that wow Oh, yeah he's, he's a reliable he was the he was the Flynn judge so he's he's been reliable for uh the, the democrats
2: one of the things that he keeps doing is uh is uh, uh, what's the, you're the lawyer here when the trial doesn't take place it's it uh, continued he keeps continuing the trial date so that people those people can be kept in the worst god-awful conditions um you know, without access to their lawyers or their families or that sort of thing. And uh, um, I, 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 one one protester in particular has had his uh, trial, just the bail trial, uh, continued for nine months now or something ridiculous like that. I was reading about it somewhere this morning. And it's just awful. I, I don't even know how we let things like that happen. The only person is, who seems to be paying attention to it is Marjorie Taylor Green. Um, mm. And you know, uh, she, I, I think she's great, but she, they've, they've made her look like a kook. So nobody takes her seriously.
1: Yeah. Well, one thing yeah. this is driving home for me with the January 6th um, uh, pre-trial detentions is we have really got to take a look at what we're doing with speedy trial in the federal process. The idea that you can just, you know, take somebody, arrest them in Florida Take them to Washington D.C., throw them in jail, and the only way that they're going to get out is by pleading guilty to some misdemeanor without a trial, and you hold them, you know, month after month after month in these horrible conditions. Um, I, I mean, there's probably not very many people who could withstand that kind of pressure, and that is just not American.
0: Yeah. All right. I, I want to uh, I want to get on to your um, your predictions for 2022, but before we do that, let's talk a little bit about Do you have a favorite sort of top story of 2021 or two or three? that you can bullet point for us?
1: Oh, well, if you're asking me, I think it's Kyle Rittenhouse, the, the Kyle Rittenhouse oh. trial. Um, I think that um, people are not really like grasping how important that case was. And the, the yeah. AR-15 is uh, one of the best selling firearms um, out there. And there's been kind of a public relations push against it for, a while now to try and demonize it. No, it's a weapon of war. And what the Kyle Rittenhouse case has done and demonstrated, you know, visually to all Americans on video is, yes, it is a weapon of self-defense. And if you find yourself in the middle middle of a riot, um, that is probably the weapon that you do want to have. And even to the extent of, yes, you probably want a high capacity magazine, because if you're surrounded by hostile people who are coming at you, uh, you know, five bullets isn't going to be enough. Uh, mm-hmm. And that, you know, I think that was Unless all. you're a really
2: good shot,
1: <laughs> What yeah. Lucretia is, but yeah, okay. <laughs> well, yeah. So I think, I think, I think, you know, firearm. You know, protecting yourself with firearm means means deterrence. And the AR-15 is a is a good deterrence weapon. And after those three people went after Kyle Rittenhouse, he didn't have any more trouble after that. You know, they didn't come after him. So that's all demonstrated. The AR-15, I think, has gone mainstream. It's been established as a as a legitimate weapon of self-defense. And I think that's going to shape our country's future from here on out.
0: Interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. I thought it's an important turning point in some ways, uh, just for the outcome and so forth. But I hadn't thought of that angle to it, which I like. Uh, so let Luke, me
2: give a third angle, Steve, really quickly. Oh? So discussing actually uh, Adam's article on that subject, which was, by the way, an excellent article. I, thank you. Like a couple months ago? No, it couldn't be. I mean, I was right after the trial, after the outcome of the trial, discussing that with my combat shooter trainer sh- son, he says, Mom, the worst thing about that is all the people who do go out and get guns and don't know what the hell to do with them. So there is that. We should probably accompany our uh, pro AR-15 and other kinds of uh, long rifles with uh, a little bit more in the way of gun safety and uh, proper gun handling and proper gun storage you know well we
0: should we should revive uh, uh you know gun clubs i mean i know they're out there but we should have more of them and you know yeah, have we, them i took and... hunter
1: safety in, in junior high school um, yeah i think i think we should be seriously considering teaching gun safety in the schools again yeah i mean as an elective but but right. it should be available sure. it's as important sure, as knowing but how to drive you, safely
2: do you ever uh, i you know you think of, i don't even remember was it um some, some, some journalist who shot an AR-15 and said it was a post-traumatic stress oh. syndrome uh, episode. And then, you know, the meme has the little six-year-old girl shooting it. Oh, wow, this is fun. But the idea that you could get to be a grown man and never even touched a firearm, I know lots of people like that. And and hmm. that come along with that, comes this irrational idea that, you know, the gun is going to, in the, the, uh, like it does for Alec, Alec Baldwin, get up and shoot somebody and pull the trigger uh. itself, you know? And and so, yes, I, I absolutely agree. And at a very young age, you know, in my house, ah, the BB gun, even the toy guns, it was gun safety from the word go. And yeah. never, never, ever, uh, even the slightest deviation, if one of the kids pointed a gun at another kid, unless it was, you know, in the middle of Cowboys and Indians or something, It was, you know, you got it taken away for a while until you learned this is what you do. You don't ever point a gun at someone unless you intend to shoot them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
1: And Alec Baldwin is a good demonstration of proper gun safety, too. He violated all the gun safety rules. And so instructors from now on will be using that as an example to teach proper gun safety. So, you know, in a way, gun safety will owe Alec Baldwin a debt of gratitude.
0: Yeah, that'd be fun to put him on posters for gun safety, which (laughs) would drive him out of his mind. (laughs) I like the idea. Uh, so, Lucretia, do you have a big story or two that you're uh, sort of elevating the top of your pile? It can be a big one or a small, specific one, or because I've a think very I'm broad a, one. A, but...
2: I, 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 since we've already discussed January sixth, that's pro- that probably would be my biggest story. But everything yeah. that follows from that, and again, this is something that Adam has cataloged brilliantly: the the corruption of our major three-letter federal <clears throat> institutions. Uh, the FBI especially, but, you know, I see it across the board. And the idea that they were once probably wrongly considered this bastion of integrity and blah, 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 that's gone. And some of that's because of January 6th, of course. Some of it's because of Russia, 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 uh, the 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 whole fiasco in Michigan. Now it's becoming clear that they're behind more and more of these uh, big events, and wasn't that one of your predictions i'm getting ahead of myself that uh... with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere
1: dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom
0: sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time
2: <gasps> no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky
1: for free at LuckyLandSlots.com, daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Uh, we'll see even more uh, instances where the FBI will manufacture some kind of crisis to try to influence an election. So that would probably be mine, um, you know. And and we've talked about this before. It used to be that you would say something like. Oh yeah, it's just the people at the top, but the rank and the file are, are good guys and good women. And you know, sorry, I I don't buy that anymore. Uh, I do know I do know FBI agents who are disgusted with it all, and you know, close yeah. to retirement and leaving. And I don't blame them for not wanting to give up their uh, their pension. But you just don't see enough of the rank and file stepping out in protest against the kind of thing going on. And, that I find the whole institution, I, I don't necessarily want it to go to Kansas City, but I think that the FBI should probably be abolished and reconfigured as something entirely different.
0: Well, there. Uh, well, first of all, I think it goes the way of most bureaucracies. They, they end up becoming politicized and self-interested. Um, I can say a lot more about this because I think the, what you're seeing now goes back decades. You know, In the late 60s, early 70s, the FBI tried to infiltrate the new left and the violent student organizations and some of the civil rights organizations. And sometimes they would try to goad them into you know, violence and riots to you know, identify the real troublemakers and head them off. And all right, we might, well, that may or may not be dodgy, but I think that metastasize over time, and now guess who they're going after, right? Um, right, yeah. well, who
2: they're going after and who they're not going after.
0: Exactly, yeah. Right. who they're I doubt not they're, going after. I doubt they're infiltrating Antifa, because again, they don't take them seriously. Yeah, they're a nuisance and they break things, but they don't really take them seriously, and so why? Okay. Uh, I Actually, you know, I mean, I have known some, they're all retired or, you know, a couple of cases have passed away, but. You know, one of my dad's best friends was one of the senior FBI investigators who was on the team that chased down and arrested Angela Davis back in what, 1970, whenever that was. When Remember, she'd supplied guns to the people who shot a federal judge in a trial, and she was acquitted uh, in, at, when they brought her up on, anyway. Uh, uh, and I actually know uh, an FBI agent, he's now retired, still alive, but who arrested Aldrich Ames, the CIA traitor. <laughs> Uh, and he couldn't have been any more hardcore politically. Uh, but you know, they're big bureaucracies. He used to tell me a little bit about it, and he was one of the last agents hired by Hoover. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's uh, he went back to that those the good old days, you might say. Anyway, uh, no, it's a shame. I, I guess I'd summarize what you just said, uh, Lucretia, is that our too many of our three-letter agencies have become four-letter agencies. I'll put it that way. That would work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely agree with what Lucretia said. Um, I think that the this year 2021, the 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 message that the FBI is partisan and that they um, they pick and choose their arrests to try and advance you know a particular agenda, that is really penetrating out of kind of the people like me who watch the FBI, and it's really it's it's most conservatives um, have are pretty suspicious of the FBI uh, these days because and and the left is
2: no longer. The left is no longer suspicious of the NSA, they're no longer yeah. suspicious of the CIA, and they're no longer su- suspicious right, but of that, the FBI. To me,
1: that's Lucretia, that's an indication that they share the perception, that um, yeah. you know both the right and the left see that the FBI is politicized. The left likes the FBI because they're taking their side for now. Um, yeah. They've they're, they really got the tiger by the tail because that, that organization can, can turn on them in a second.
0: Yeah. Uh, You've noticed, by the way, it's not quite the same as this, but it's close. A close cousin is the, uh, the climate left loves the Defense Department now. Why? Because the Pentagon keeps producing these reports saying climate change is a serious national security threat. And I kind of observe, A, very clever of the Pentagon to realize that they want to keep their budget up. They ought to jump on the climate bandwagon, and B, when has the left ever agreed with the Pentagon assessment of any American threat? Their history for seventy-five years has been the defense, the military-industrial complex hypes threats to the country to see it right. Okay, so let me, uh, let me just ask no you: Do you think
2: that the, the most of the damage that Steve just described was done during the Obama years because the Obama mm. administration was very, very clever at planting all of their what their ideological hacks in important positions, and then of course the corruption of the officer corps by requiring that they go to university <laughs> and the the um, West Point Air Force Academy, etc., are just as corrupt as any university these days. We now know that they used to be a little bit better, in ter- but they're just they're terrible, and so. It's not really a surprise that uh, you don't see in the higher, at least at the you know sort of captain level, colonel level, and above, just absolute corruption across the uh, entire military going along with this crap about diversity and climate change, and 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 it makes me sick. Sorry. Well, it's- I
1: Grisha, do you think, Lucretia, that uh, the, the debacle in Afghanistan? Uh, I mean, Washington overreacts to everything. And the debacle in Afghanistan with the withdrawal—do you think that that's going to resonate or change uh, uh, Pentagon culture?
2: Explain to me who has actually paid any price other than the Marine who came out against it. I saw yesterday that even the uh, the, the the troops responsible for killing, uh, you know, mistargeting and killing those civilians in the strike that was, you know, used as this major propaganda thing. Those they're not going to suffer any consequences. Well, Biden none. is suffering
1: a consequence. He's probably given up five points of popularity that he'll never get back. Oh yeah, but it's not his fault
2: because he tried to tell those generals and they wouldn't listen to him.
0: Well, let me let me take a stab at your prior question, which is, uh, Adam, did you ask this? Was it was it this sort in the? Or did you, Lucretia, you, asked, Does this start with Obama, or is that really the key turning point? I think. Um, there's a lot of bad stuff happened during Obama, but I think the roots of this go back a lot further. I mentioned the FBI in the late 60s, but, you know, Nixon hated two people above all. He hated the CIA and the State Department, and that's one reason he elevated Kissinger to try and run everything out of the White House. Uh, And you especially saw under George W. Bush the permanent government and, you know, not so much the military, but certainly the intelligence community always working to undermine him. And his policies and, and uh, on terror and then, of course, the war in Iraq, they were always undermining him on, on those matters. Uh, you remember the intelligence community saying, no, no, Iran's not developing a nuclear weapon. That turned out to be completely wrong, but it made headlines and totally stopped the Bush administration in its tracks from trying to have an active policy against Iran, and that was a political a judgment by the intelligence community. They they were trying to cut Bush off. So this has been growing for a long time. And
2: but the military it, was always a little bit outside of all yeah. of that. I mean I remember I remember the days when generals wouldn't say wouldn't get yeah. involved and put on their Twitter account <clears> get involved in a political question, whether they agreed or disagreed. Yeah. And that's gone as long as it's supportive of the Biden administration states. Nobody has is coming out against what happened in Afghanistan.
1: Uh, they, they may be sorry they, they tweeted after uh, 2022. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, right.
2: Yeah, but uh, what would it take to actually clean up the military at this point? You first of all have to stop any more officers from going to the university.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, seriously. <laughs> well, right, well, you uh, to go to the very summit of things, you need a president like Lincoln who's going to fire a lot of them and publicly yes. shame them, right?
2: I mean, how does Millie still have a job? Somebody explain yeah. that one to me.
0: Yeah, you know, even well, if you're
1: I, even if you're Biden, I don't know why you would keep that guy around. Yeah, um, he's not helping Biden, and he's undermining Biden, and and he's whisper campaigning against Biden. I, I I completely agree with you, Acrecia. And,
2: he, and it came out the other day, something, some mucky muck about China. Oh, I thought China was, you know, we don't want to get in a war with China. So we got to have this back deal diplomacy and now he's going to be all tough on China. I want to just kick that guy, you know, where, and mm. he him. ah, oh, gosh, sorry. Well, all right.
0: Let me, let me push things along <laughs> a little bit. My, my big theme of the year, it's not really a single story, but I think the big story of this year is the collapse of the Biden presidency. And I don't think it's just his personal feebleness, although that's part of it, but I think his personal feebleness is a mirror image of the decrepitude of the left itself. Uh, and this going to catch up to him, I think. I think it already has in the, in the poll ratings and so forth. Um, and whether our team, so to speak, if you want to put it that way, can get its act together. That's another question. <laughs> Lucretia's shaking her head. I know she's skeptical of it. We'll save that for another time. Um, uh, why don't we move on to, because we're running, we're already running behind schedule, uh, Adam, I want to go through some of your predictions for 2022, and I'll give you one of mine, perhaps. Um, so go ahead, pick pick any one that you want, and run with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Lucretia kind of touched on on my first one that I'm right. I'm just almost 100% sure about, which is just in time for the 2022 midterms, the FBI will announce a politically relevant arrest or uh, a, a break up of a plot of some kind, and it'll happen. In a way that will be relevant to the election. And I I say that, of course, because if you look back at the last three um, elections, um, uh, 2020, 2018 and uh, 2016, um, really, you've got stories, the FBI were, were announcing high profile stories. In 2018, Mueller announced new indictments of um, the Russian officers uh, were fresh news stories about the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. And then there was this weird guy, Cesar Sayok, who got arrested, and he just happened to have a van that was plastered with Trump um, signs on it. He supposedly mailed these bombs uh, to to anti-Trump people, uh, members of Congress and whatnot, and they didn't work. Uh, and, there's, and he immediately pleaded guilty right after the election. But that was on the headlines that Trump supporters are violent. So that kind of fulfilled that. Uh, right before 2020, we had the Michigan uh, Gretchen Whitmer plot. And it turned right. out that a bunch of those people were actually undercover FBI agents. And, of course, 2016 was the Russia collusion hoax. So, yes, I think it's going to happen again in 2022. There'll be some big arrest or um, plot and that broken up that'll be relevant.
2: Because as you pointed out at one point um, in one of our conversations, Adam, that there is no incentive not to do that because the people in power have made it very clear that if you do something like that and you're caught, you will be protected. All the way up to somebody like McCabe, who is corrupt as they come and got himself in the thick of a political battle he had no business being a part of, and... What did they do? He was fired so that he didn't get his pension, and they restored his pension.
1: Yeah, that's exactly Even- right. Luc- Lucretia, to your point. Um, when Kevin Kleinsmith uh, pleaded guilty to um, fabricating evidence for the FISA court so that the FBI could uh, spy on Trump campaign figure Carter Page, um, he had he had forged or faked an email from the CIA. Um, indicating that Carter Page was a source. He was reliable. If the FBI wanted to know anything, they didn't need to spy on him. They could just go ask him. And so what, what uh, Kevin Kleinsmith said in his sentencing was, I didn't lie to anybody. I sent two copies of that email to my superiors. I sent the doctored one and I sent the, the, the honest one, which means that, that that there are senior officials in the FBI who have never been named and never been charged, with knowingly taking the forged email and and introducing it to the FISA court, if what he's saying is true. Yeah.
0: All right. I want to, uh, Adam. I want to skip your second prediction, which is about the Federal Reserve and a taper tantrum. I t- totally agree, and I love that subject, but I think that's going to bore some listeners. I want to go to number three because it's really good. Do you remember yeah. number three?
1: <laughs> oh yeah. So I I I am almost sure that there's going to be this explosive scandal that with coordinated coverage involving Kamala Harris and or her husband. Um, it is just, I I mean, I've been reading the tea leaves. There was a, if you, if you happen to see the Dole funeral, um, there was a very awkward moment when Kamala Harris, um, was already seated next to her husband and Biden came in and he sat down next to her and then he whispers in his wife's ear and then they switch places. So he doesn't have to have to sit next to her. (laughs) There has been this whisper campaign against Kamala Harris going on now for, um, at least six months where well, all these it's great- a
0: stage whisper i mean it's out it's so i mean you can hear it outside the white house well sorry to interrupt but i mean it's not much of a whisper
1: yeah, yeah exactly and i mean there's just so many sources and they and i think uh you've said at one point in time it's too coordinated for the white house to not be in on it and to know yeah. what's going on well so i you know I, I like to think like a chess move if i'm biden what am i trying to do here and you can't You can't get you can't fire her. She's an elected uh, official. The vice presidency is, you know, she achieved her station by virtue of the election and not by an appointment or approval by Congress. So the only way to get her out is to force her to resign. And the only way to force her to resign is to get enough pressure on her publicly that she just it's just gotten to where she can't stand the heat anymore. and She gets out of the kitchen. So I think there'll be a scandal and there'll be coordinated campaign to get her out. Why they hate her yeah. so much? I don't know. I think it's because they want to do something about Joe Biden in the next year or so, and they don't want Kamala Harris bringing up uh, coming up as her his replacement. Yeah, you know, uh,
0: I was reading that, and it, it prompted me to remember uh, Geraldine Ferraro, Mondale's running mate way back in 1984. Remember the first woman running mate and made history. All the rest of that. And, and I don't know if this is Republican opposition research or a planted story or what it was, but there was a whole lot of fuss about her husband, you know, Italian family from Queens in New York. The
2: second gentleman is how we're referring to him. <laughs>
0: okay, well, but it, in the case of her husband, his name was Zaccaro or Zaccario, something like I that. that. You know, yeah. there was alleged that he had mob ties possibly. Well, so... But Harris's husband, and it is kind of interesting, Harris was, you know, kind of well known, not really, but you know, okay, a prominent figure in politics. But her husband, no one heard of this guy. Is it Doug Elmendorf? Is that his name? Something like that. M. Hoff, isn't it? M. Hoff, whatever it is. Uh, but he's an entertainer. You can pick him out of
2: a lineup if your life depended on it, could you?
0: No, but that means it'd be easy to plant a story. I think he's a Hollywood entertainment lawyer or something like that, which means, gosh, is it true that he was involved in covering up the um uh, uh you know harvey weinstein sexual harassment I mean they could all kinds of stuff could be dug up on that guy, I'll bet and I don't think he was um uh, i don't think he was vetted in the process of picking her um I'd be very surprised, but that's one angle I'm just speculating here it'd be fun wouldn't surprise me at all if that's the angle
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, you know it's it's interesting that uh so many of um the the left's female uh power figures these days have white husbands or white boyfriends have you yeah. i was just that? thinking the same thing yeah <laughs> and, and, well, he, white and girlfriends he, is, he is
2: one or of white them. wives
1: yeah well right
2: Lori lightfoot right
0: uh, <laughs> i can't hear her name without laughing Lori lightweight yeah, yeah. that's yeah. the nice version yeah
2: gosh yeah I, I i don't think that i'd bother with that kind of uh uh, yeah. Insults, and then, do the, you the do last
1: prediction, speak. if we've moved on from that is, I mean, it's barely even a prediction because I think everyone would agree. Huh. We're just, we're just going to get so much inflation and it's not, it's not how high inflation is right now. It's how fast it's accelerating. And it's, right. it's going up. Like you can see that we're, we're entering kind of a steep part of the curve. And so I, I think that all these people in Congress who fought so hard to get all this extra spending, mm. they're going to, they're going to live to regret all of that because next year is going to be really, really rough with inflation. Quote,
2: quote of the day. Adam, uh, Tim Scott. The last time inflation was this bad, I was sporting a fro. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: That may come back. You never know. Other, th- uh, yeah, wow. um, yeah. That's yeah. right. It, uh, and yeah, right.
2: Problem with that discussion in in, s- in such antiseptic terms, because I, I say this to Steve all the time. The, the Fertilizer. I think we talked about this at one point, Adam. That the the price of fertilizer and the availability of fertilizer has just gone through the roof, or the, the availability <laughs> has gone out, and the price has gone up. And of course, that's uh, that's a supply chain issue that starts at the very beginning of the food change, food chain and makes it all the way through. Because if you can't grow, if you can't if you can't get access to fertilizer, you can't grow. Uh, grains and you can't grow vegetables and fruits and you can't grow feed. So you can't feed chickens and you can't feed cattle and you can't feed pigs and, and on and on and on and on and on. And, and, you know, again, I walk in the grocery store and a little more careful about what I buy, but I, I, it breaks my heart when I see people with their calculators, trying to then putting things back because they can't afford it in the grocery store. You know, it's just, it's heartbreaking. And then, Gas at the pumps and and, and, uh, fortunately, at least here, I don't know about where you guys are, but here it's been a warmer winter so far or fall, I guess Mm. it's still fall for a couple more days, but if it hadn't been, where would we be with the the high cost of heating? I mean, maybe I'm, this is God smiling on us for it's a It's early
0: yet. I, you know, it's very mm-hmm. warm in the Midwest right now. They're having this kind of very unseasonal heat wave. It's cool out here in the far West, cooler than normal. I just looked at the heat but, map about but not this cold. this morning. Not cold, but look, uh, cold. I, I have a hunch not that... but
2: dangerously cold.
0: I have Look, we've got at least eight weeks to go, potentially, you know, polar no, vortex and all that. I bet it I happens know, yet. I know,
2: but growing up in the Midwest and living on, in upstate New York... I know that you can spend uh, Halloween in the snow right. and not see uh, temperatures rise in the middle of the day above thirty degrees uh, for for weeks at a time. And it hasn't been that thank God, right. because otherwise, you know the, the, this would just be a really tragic situation
1: yeah well, now I, I mean I think I think what December borrows February repays with interest so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that that damn groundhog that yeah, yeah okay. Uh, last prediction uh, that uh, um, COVID is not going away. This seems obvious, right? I think you may have written this before Omicron was fairly, uh, uh, formally certified as the next greatest threat to humanity. but it was the last sentence in your paragraph about this that grabbed me. I hadn't heard about this, and you have a link in the story. The Wuhan Institute of Virology is now experimenting with the HIV virus. Yes. Oh my goodness.
1: And I pulled that off. Of the link goes to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Like that. That's that's on their own website. Scientists hmm. clarify HIV entry into resting CD4 T cells, and so they're taking apart the um, the, the HIV virus and 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 experimenting it and, and studying it. So oh, I don't know if they're doing gain of function research, but. Uh, you know, HIV you is pretty re- nasty if you make it more nasty.
2: Pardon? Do you remember uh, reports? No, had no idea whether they're accurate or not of the, the idea that the virus, that the Wuhan virus was in fact a manufactured virus and that it had in it elements of a, of the HIV virus. Do you remember hearing that way back when?
1: Yes. Uh there was a I did hear a virologist on Tucker Carlson who was apparently from Hong Kong and she I don't know if a she female, was directly yeah. in, in the Wuhan um, Virology Institute, but she said it was a Frankenstein's monster and it had pieces of this and pieces of that. And I think she did say one of the pieces was HIV. Hmm. I mean, I don't know how credible she was or not, but, uh, but I, but yeah, I mean, we're getting to the, we're getting closer to the point where scientists are beginning to say, yeah, it looks like the the coronavirus was engineered.
2: Mm. And Steve so so we don't um, disappoint any of our uh, listeners. Let me just say that, of course, when you divorce science from any kind of um, uh, (laughs) connection to nature, or justice, or the good. Why, why not manufacture a virus and decide how it best might be used? Uh, and you know, I, I'm sure you guys have heard this. I'm not saying that this is true. I'm just saying that it's one of those uh, shall we call them urban myths out there. It makes perfect sense for the Chinese and even the Europeans, for that matter, to uh, embrace a virus that targets primarily the old because all of these places have huge liabilities with the, whatever pension system they have for their old people that are living longer and longer than anybody ever expected even in the United States 30 years ago right I don't and subscribe
1: so, to that I, I, think, I, <laughs> well, think I it's, don't
2: either I'm just saying yeah,
1: I, that? I think I think this this truly was an accident um, it, it wasn't done intentionally but but yeah I mean, this is Mm. this is just really really sad and i mean the 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 chinese revere their elderly right uh yeah Yeah, uh, the chinese people well
2: communists mm. don't revere anyone
0: yeah uh you know uh, matt ridley has a good book out about this uh, that i haven't had a chance to read yet but uh that's the book we all ought to go read because i think he's the bee's knees on all these things Um,
1: after you read the laptop from hell Oh yeah, right. <laughs>
0: right. Well, I'm close to all the New York Post people, who, and I haven't met Miranda, but I, I want to sometime soon. Uh, all right, so Lucretia, do you have a prediction for the next year? More of the same? You're going to be uh, grumpy between seven and ten on the grumpy meter uh, every week, or? <laughs> I,
2: I think I think you. Here's my prediction. I, I'm going to say this just to, to see if I can shock you, Steve. I'm going to be a little optimistic. Whoa. I'm going to be a little optimistic in the sense that. All of the attempts thus far through propaganda, through censorship of media, et cetera, et cetera, to convince the American people of the far left's agenda and its you know, its basic goodness and that the people in charge are really only looking out for our best interests, whether it's COVID or anything else, I think that the... Uh, The opposition to that is going to reach a critical mass in the United States. I think it will uh, eventually start trickling to other places, but they don't have the same good American souls that we have growing up believing in our own autonomy, et cetera, et cetera. But I do think that there's going to be a backlash. I think that the election of uh, 2022 is going to be a sea change election. Whether or not Republicans see their the way forward for that, you know what I think about that. But I do think that, and I put my confidence in the American people.
0: Well, uh, it will set aside whether Republicans can ever get their act together to do something effective once they win a big election. But I remember, I think it was P.J. O'Rourke who described the 2010 midterm when Democrats what, lost 65, 66 seats in the House, the largest in 70 years. He said that election was a restraining order. Well, if you have a similar election as next year, which I think is quite possible, it'll be beyond that. It'll be a cease and desist order. Uh, mm-hmm. as, uh, my, uh, you notice, I mean, I'm gonna say, I want to react this way, saying, wait a minute, Lucretia, are you saying that the left is not going to succeed in getting Latinx planted as their common speech for you know, people of Hispanic descent? Uh, you know, yeah. It's fun to watch that crash and burn, right? Uh, right.
2: But but we, we talked in the green room, I think, um Maybe a little too much scotch at this point. We talked about the fact that Nancy Pelosi today had to come out and actually claim that crime was a problem. She has no oh. idea where this I where all of this crime, this rising crime in the cities and so on, where did it come from? She has simply no idea about how it how it came about. What a moron or, you know, well, the fact that he yeah. can get isn't up is
1: and... Isn't it interesting, Lucretia, that Nancy Pelosi didn't notice the crime when it was merely happening to people, but when the her corporate donors started becoming victims of flash mobs, yes. then yeah. all of a sudden it started registering with her.
0: Yeah, that's the old Ronald Reagan phrase. Well, there are two. One that's back, uh, that's quite germane. Reagan in the 60s liked to say, a liberal's idea of being tough on crime is giving longer suspended sentences. That's what we're back to now, right? But the other one was, uh, as he applied generally, is um, when they feel the heat, they will see the light. And that's Mm -hmm. what's happening now with uh, a lot of liberal politicians, right, Lucretia?
2: Yep. So my mini prediction is that uh, the the Salvation Army uh, powers that be will see the light and actually come out and apologize for the nonsense crap that they said about we yeah. should all recognize our racism because Yeah. I've never done this. When I was so poor, I, I, I had to put a quarter in. I have never walked by a Salvation Army bucket and not right. put money in, right. in and out of the store. And yeah. I stopped shopping at Target long before they had sexual aisles or whatever they were. I stopped <laughs> shopping there because yeah. they wouldn't let the Salvation Army uh, put their kettles out anymore. I, I stopped going to Chick-fil-A because they stopped funding, providing funds to Salvation Army. And I, yeah. I, I bought, I, I found the children that they were going to give presents to, and I bought presents for those children with you know but very specifically so that i knew exactly where that money was going because i feel really terrible about the fact that they do help so many people and yeah. nobody wants to give to them anymore well they no, they
0: you know their numbers are way way down and i think not they only know it are right? they not
2: giving they can't even get people to man the kettles yeah well i
0: my my measure of accountability i might even send them a note about this as you know the salvation army was my dad's favorite charity and i'm just like you i've always every time i walk by a bucket i put money in it and i'm not doing it this year and that's happening to a lot of people but i want to send them a note saying okay you backed off this so you're going to withdraw this pamphlet about admit your white privilege who did this in the first place and have you fired them yet who are they we want to know and how this happened i mean accountability right i think they should be screwed out about this uh that's one thought um i'll give you my prediction for next year it's kind of a, a you know prediction interpretation the left is in a panic that the Supreme Court is going to uphold uh, the Mississippi law, the Dobbs case, and maybe throw out Roe completely. Uh, I, I don't like to read the tea leaves of these things because it's unpredictable, but I do think they'll uphold the law. I actually think that the left, the activist hardcore left, would prefer that the court overturn Roe directly. Why? They think that will mo- motivate and mobilize a lot of women voters and a lot of other voters who are Otherwise, undecided. They think that will turn the election around for them next November. They're I think diluted. they're wrong about uh, that's what yeah. I think. I think they're quite wrong about that. I think it'll be a disaster for the left. It means they're going to be talking about one more cultural issue, one more identity politics thing. When what voters want to hear about is, as William pointed out, inflation, uh, the COVID virus, you uh, know, real the things that actually people care about. Uh, and, you know, I, I so anyway, I, this is a, one of the greatest rope-a-dope moments in American politics, um, because the media, of course, will amplify this and absolutely freak out. And, by the way, to bolster your low opinion of re- the Republican establishment, Lucretia, there's lots of them already saying, oh, we're really nervous that they might overturn Roe and make it hard for Republicans so that are a bunch of idiots, unless they're in on the joke or in on the con, which seems doubtful.
1: But that's yeah, it my prediction. Yeah, seems
2: doubtful. They don't have a sense of humor. Yeah, well, I it's think. not humor.
0: It's, you know, cleverness,
1: but... I think you're exactly right, Steve, and I think that um, uh, that, that that we are not in the 1973 Roe world yeah, anymore. Right. I did a piece on this where I said that the demographics have, based, have more or less moved on from abortion being this, you know, like defining uh, issue for for women's freedom. There's more single yeah. parentage. Women are delaying their first pregnancy whether they ended in abortion or not there it's the average age has moved up to like 25. So I, I agree with you. I agree that if the Supreme court does it, the left will freak out, but they won't, they won't move big swaths of votes, yeah. uh, in 2022 the way they could have back in
0: 1982. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. All right. Let's get out with, uh, I'll, I'm going to mention one thing to cheer everybody up. I think a little bit, um, I think Lucretia will put off till next week or whatever our next episode is about the, the listeners who asked us about the difference between philosophy and political philosophy. We we should spend some real time on that. I don't want to do it now, but there's one thing I stumbled across this week. Apparently, I don't Do you know about this, Adam? Uh, th- there is a new feature on Twitter called spaces. And what it is is live it's group live. chats and uh so I, and and you know it, it it seems to be just on mobile devices i can't find it on twitter or on my laptop but on my mobile device i get this note saying uh, a new spaces conversation one of them was you know some time with friends f-r-e-n-s that was the title of it uh and it was a bunch of younger folks that i sort of i'm familiar with i don't know any of them personally but and they all have sort of pseudonyms on Twitter. One of those Athenian Stranger, who I think is a graduate of the University of Dallas. I should know who this person is, but I still don't for some reason. Uh, oh, Lucretia. Seth Root is one of the guys who listens on these, and he's a young guy who's had Lucretian on his little podcast. Uh and so so one day, I think, I don't know, early in the week, I logged in one day and they were having a very serious conversation and reading and you know, close reading of Peter Thiel's famous essay, The Straussian Moment, from You know, 15 years ago, that's kind of an underground thing. It was very interesting. It it ended at the end with a discussion of Plato's laws that was quite erudite and fascinating. And then the next day, I got on the one that was, you know, uh, the time with friends, and it was some of the same people. And I'm not sure if they're the followers of this, uh, the so called Bronze Age pervert that (laughs) Michael Anton wrote about in the Claremont Review. But what it was, was an hour and a half of the best improv comedy I've ever heard. Because you had six or seven of the of the sort of the interlocutors and jumping in mocking every progressive cliche with deadpan earnest humor right It was always like, well you know my pronouns are uh you know viscount and something like that and then they would well they would spin out oh i i i i I'm angry with you for misgendering me i I am actually a a lesbian coyote trapped in a Sithet body of a man woman they spin out absurd stuff. But, but, one of my favorite parts was they had a runner as as stand-up comedians talk about it, and it was about George Floyd. and they started referring to him every every little joke that would come rapid fire would be Saint George of Floyd, blessed be his name. They want to say something outrageous. And they'd spin out these crazy conspiracy theories. Uh, so my favorite one that I can remember because it went so I was laugh I was splitting a gut listening to these guys. The one that I can remember only a little bit was the guy who said, "Well, you have to understand that the uh, the late '80s movie Predator, with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jesse Ventura, remember they were being groomed to be future governors of major states, and you know that that movie was actually a documentary." And what you don't know is that uh, a young George Floyd was in that movie, but the deep state cut him out of it because they weren't yet ready to uh, uh, you know, elevate his status as a prophet of God. the American regime. So they do this stuff and oh at first gosh. you're like, you can't this believe it. This sounds
1: awesome.
0: Well, I mean, part, I mean, the larger point of what's going on here is it's all younger guys. It was all guys. There were no women on this, but about 50 people were listening, I think. And I what don't was...
2: understand me listening you it's it's yeah. actually people talking on twitter yeah, yeah.
0: well that that was the, another one of the subtexts was a couple of the guys saying, "I'm sure twitter's going to come in any minute now and shut us down, right The whole point was you know the left talks about being transgressive. This is a bunch of young guys, and what they want to do is just mock all of the progressive b s and cliches in them, and some of it was very crude, you know, a lot of anatomical humor the In fact, it's funny, when I logged on, uh, one of the guys says, oh, Steve Hayward is here from Powerline. He's really great. I just want to tell you, Steve, you know, he didn't say you're an older guy. That was implied. You know, this is a lot of locker room humor here. And I thought, well, you know, okay, I've been in locker rooms. That's And a lot of it was, but it was really funny. And the spirit of rebellion against all this stuff was so great to listen to. Yeah, I
1: I think that's just a really great observation, Steve. And I've noticed that there it seems like I'm seeing more and more people actually courting censorship. Like they're yeah. trying to trigger the censors because that's like a badge of honor. If you get censored now, I mean, it means right. you're relevant.
0: Right. Oh, I mean, these guys, I can't, I should have been, you can't record these unlike Zoom and other things. Um That would be dangerous. Uh, there, there's a function on this where you can disguise your voice. And so there were, uh you know, I mean, I know a couple of young guys who are actually from Eastern Europe or Russia who have thick accents. I'm not sure they were the guys on this, uh, this chat. I, I'm not clear on that, but. There's a function where you can disguise your voice, and I think there are two or three people who obviously were using that to make it sound like they were, you know, balking or I don't know what. But this is the funniest hour to have I've spent in a long time. And anyway, uh, it uh, you know, watch for this. This is uh, the broader point is is you've been getting hints that the younger, you know, the younger conservatives, uh, you know, affected by Trump and Trumpian populism and this, uh, this you know, Lucretia, this is right down your alley an impatience and rejection of sort of the old stodgy conservative movement that wants to talk about Russell Kirk and the permanent things and stuff like that. These guys want to mock and fight and kick ass.
2: So, yeah, they do. They do. And they've got some Thumos. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Oh, a lot of talk about weightlifting and, you know, fitness and this <laughs> is fine.
2: I, I Remember I live with one of those. So, uh, mm. so, so it doesn't surprise he should, me. Uh, he
0: should tune in. Uh, he'd find it amusing. I,
2: I'll pass that along. Yeah. Let me just say, and um, if this really is our last podcast before Christmas, and it may not be, you never know. We might get bored with sitting at home and listening to Christmas carols and drinking eggnog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all oh, right. I with love eggnog. Uh, you never know. But I, I will say that the one thing about Christmas, I love Christmas. Uh, I even love Hanukkah because uh, I have lots of Jewish friends. But the thing I love about both of those holidays is the idea of hope that you can't ever give up hope. And I have lots of hope because I read everything that Adam Mill writes on uh, American Greatness because I get notifications about that. If you write other places, I don't always get it, Adam. So you probably should make sure you send it to me. But there <laughs> no, are I'm, I'm monogamous
1: of- to American Greatness now. Are
2: you? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I can understand you. I mean, Julie deserves monogamy. Absolutely. There's no <laughs> doubt about that, Julie Ponzi. But I I, I really want to say that there's so much. This is what, what at least I learned from uh, my great mentor, Harry Jaffa. There's so much to be hopeful about with America that I think we see, even in the predictions that we've had here today, that there's, you know, there, there's a, a strong belief that we're on the side of right. Uh, the left will continue to do everything that they can to try to undermine that and, and destroy us and, and, and keep their power. But I think that that power is dwindling away because of the good sense of the American people. And that gives me hope. Uh-huh. Well, with that, Lucretia, do you want to send us out? Well, first, I want to just ask Adam if he has ah. any final thoughts along those lines. <laughs>
1: I, I am always a glass half full kind of person. I always think that things are going to get better. Um, and I completely agree with you. And, I, and I, any any conservative who walks around talking about how things are just coming to an end and the world is going to come to an end. First of all, you never lose a bet with anyone who's betting on the end of the world. I mean, there, mm. there have been so many predictions about how the world would yeah. end over so many, you know, many centuries. And the person who was, you know, betting that the world would continue on is always the winner of that bet. And I still think that's true. I think our best days are ahead of us. I think the generation coming up, uh, there's some really fantastic kids coming up uh, uh, through, you know, our high schools and our universities. And they're the
2: smart ones, by the way. Yeah. Right.
1: And, I, and I think, I think that the, the left's moment is passing and their control over all of these institutions um, is fragile and they're splitting and uh, and when they are done collapsing, we will, have, we will just be an intellectual powerhouse when compared to them. So I completely agree.
2: It's been lovely having you. Uh, Thank Steve, you so can much. you please invite Adam back again? Of course. Okay, uh, this was a lot of fun. I do, actually one of the things I'd like to talk with Adam about is this whole notion, sorry, I'm gonna send us <laughs> off just a moment. I just wanna put this out there, is about election integrity. We didn't Mm. even discuss that, but you've got, what you've got going on right now in America is, are these two diametrically opposed, I don't even I'll I'll be a little bit fair and biased for a moment, propaganda campaigns. I don't really think the one on the right is a propaganda campaign. Definitely the one on the left is, I mean, supposedly mansions. Uh, more important than the Build Back Better bill is the election integrity bill. But of course, for the right, the left, the integrity, election integrity means uh, non citizens voting, et cetera, et cetera. But I do think that elections in general is a really important topic we should come back to. Okay. In uh, 2022, when we reconvene at some point, and so let me just say, uh, happy holidays, merry Christmas. Always drink your whiskey neat (laughs) And let's go Brandon As you can hear the chants from the the crowd Let's go Brandon
0: Take a vaccine. I'm saying this, but you know what I mean. Let's go, Brandon.
1: Let's go, Brandon.
0: Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Brandon. We went from make a